0: Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to Shruti Out podcast, your go-to destination for inspiring stories, insightful discussions, and practical wisdom on embracing the ever-changing journey of life. I am your host, Shruti, and I'm thrilled to have you join me on this transformative path towards self-discovery and growth. So thank you guys for being a part of Shruti Out Loud podcast, and i am here with a new story with a new kiss and a lot of inspiration trust me on that um so i will sort of you know try and tell you who is this person um and how do i really know him so i met him at a very random place and through very random chances but we got to know each other and uh, we started working together professionally and since then i would say he has been a part of my life i mean obviously you know things happen and you know you uh you get busy and you stop talking not because you uh, don't want to talk but because you know that's how it is happening so that's what happened but he is a part of my life still and I think he'll always be so I will bring him on board and from there on we'll take this discussion ahead of who he is I'll just give you his name so his name is Tushar Chopra and let's bring him on board and talk to him Hi, Tushar. Hi Shruti. So first of all, before going ahead, I would like to thank you for agreeing to be a part of this and thank you for taking out time and um, I know you are going to share your story and I know it is something that uh, should be heard and something that is going to inspire a lot of people. So thank uh, you.
1: Thank you so much for your words. And I'm so uh, proud of your uh, podcast, Shrutiya Outloud podcast. It's amazing, commendable the way you've grown this podcast. And I'm happy to be here and share my story and if at all it inspires anybody it's an honor for me.
0: Absolutely thank you so much. So Tushar um, without wasting any time I just want to you know jump into this discussion because there is a lot that we have to talk about. So my first question is uh, so Tushar you are a part of the Chopra family I'm not again you know giving out any names or anything because I want you to do that So you are a part of the Chopra family. And so when was that moment? And what was that moment when you realized what you are a part of? And what is the legacy that you carry with this name?
1: Okay, so I'll just introduce myself correctly. I'm the third generation of uh, Chopra family. Um, People know us from Kakeda Hotel. And it was founded by my grandfather in 1931 in uh, Lahore, Pakistan. After partition, he re-established in Cannot Place. Um, ever since then for 42 years at a stretch, my father was handling the situation as a second generation alongside his brothers and I joined in Kake, I would say in 2010 because from 2008 to 2010, I was in England. I was working there in Marriott hotels and I came back and that's the time when I actually joined the family business. If you ask me, when did I get to know, like, what is my worth? It is all through childhood, from school time, my father would encourage us, you know. I was in modern school, Barakamba. So our main restaurant, the original branch, like the first one, which is, again, in Canuck Place, right? So just directly from the school, he would request us to go and sit there at the restaurant, to go and have a feel of the restaurant, do a little bit of work. So at the age of 13 or at the age of 12, uh, finishing school and going to the restaurant, I would understand like, okay, we are a part of something huge because everybody knows Kake. Or we would meet somebody and we would just speak the name and there is a certain respect. They would look look up towards you. Uh, So yeah, that is the time I realized I'm a part of something really big. But it didn't really strike me too hard in that moment that, okay, because once you have something and your childhood is really nice, you really don't get to know that, okay, it's you have something of great value. It's only when you end up kind of losing it or, you know, there are some situations that happen that you end up knowing what was your worth about, which we will share.
0: Absolutely. We are going to uh, touch those points as well. So, but before moving ahead, I have this question for you, that the reason you went for your further studies, it was with the intention of joining the business and giving it a new face, right? That was what you were trying to bring with you. And that is the reason why you went there.
1: Okay. So to be very honest, that was not the intention. <laughs> I, uh, Even though I had a fairly good childhood, I kind of uh, was a lost kid. Uh, from the early teens, like, say, at around 13, I started getting into stupid stupid things, you know, as a teenager, got into drugs, substance abuse, and um, I deviated my ways along the line. Before that, I was a professional horse rider. I had a um, bad surgery, so I was kind of bedridden for one year, and ever since then, like, I could not be strong in academics, but at the same time, I couldn't go back to sports. So I got lost and carried away with uh, other things for quite some time. Um, yeah, by the end of my schooling, like it was a surprise for my parents that I actually passed even my 12 by myself <laughs> with barely any grades on the table. So um, I was still fighting with them because I was still like a lost kid, right? And I was like, oh, I want to do economic honours, even though I didn't know like why. It was very fashionable to hear these words economic honours. Um, even though I didn't understand how economy works, right? <laughs> so, yeah, and somebody suggested about this institute. Uh, I was super lucky that I got through Oxford Brooks and uh, during the time of interviews, uh, I got selected by Marriott Hotels and this was the big opportunity because this is the same time that uh, I ended up leaving everything from my substances that I was doing because nobody believed in me at that moment. It was just like, you know, trying to settle a kid who is lost. It was more about that than anything else. Yeah, but this is the moment of uh, when my life actually changed altogether. When I joined hospitality industry, I went to England, and that's the time I quit doing any kind of substance. And yeah, that's how it happened. Not with an intention of uh, uh, with related to Taking the business ahead, ahead. yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh, okay, so Tushar, here you have mentioned a few things that I would like to talk to you about. So you mentioned that uh, you were into something already when uh, you mentioned that you know you were a professional horse rider, and then you had this injury. So did it impact you when you were sort of you know bedridden for one whole year? That is a really really long time. So were you going through some uh, say? Um, I don't know, did it impact your mental health and if it did, how did you cope up with it or how did you address any of that?
1: Yes, so the whole story starts actually from there. I had, again, I mentioned I had a very good childhood, right? And uh, just at this age, uh, it's a very tender age, you're a child, you're 13 and you're growing up in the 90s. uh, Yes. Nineties. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mental health at that time was, uh, something that was kind of like a taboo subject. Even nowadays I see like people don't really come out and they talk about this, like, there are hardly barely some celebrities coming out and talking about it and then they're being shamed about or they don't know what depression is or they don't know what is clinical anxiety or something like this but at least there are people who are talking about this nowadays Uh, back there and then in the time like even if you try and explain what's happening to you people would kind of avoid it or they would say oh sadma laggya yeah accident hogya or something like this they wouldn't really consider mental health as a challenge be it in schools or be it parents like because that's all they knew like this is something uh, which only recently i have seen there is a big change and shift in the society of uh, looking at mental health in that way if we talk about me in particular it wasn't something that was supposed to last for one year i was supposed to have only one surgery after my accident and uh, that happened for like maybe two months it was a small surgery but uh, it failed it failed and it uh, got worse so i had another surgery successively and this was a successful surgery it took six months to recover and then it was sure that i'm going back to school everything is normal and i started to walk again finally on the crutches after a long time and again bam again like go for the third surgery so it was just something that was getting deeper and deeper it was related with my knee and there was a you know in fact it was it got really badly infected later so of course it took time and this changed everything for me not at the time of when I was in the hospital my parents were extremely supportive they did everything possible that they could but me being a very active kid I was in the sports you know like I was a soccer team captain in my school in modern Barakamba in uh, equestrian I was uh, representing India like uh, I was I came second in international shows I was uh, Winning three championships consecutively, out there in the newspapers with my name, in Times of India, in Hindustan Times, covering me. At that age, you know, like it's very tender. You get all the fame and suddenly you're trapped inside a hospital building on the hospital bed for one year. Of course, it impacts humanity, but the real impact is something that you kind of sense much after. This is when I went back to school and I couldn't fit back into the sports, even though I tried. And... I had an amazing uh, teacher, my sports instructor at that time. Uh, He even tried to like, you know, he didn't say directly that, oh, you're not worth it anymore or you cannot play football the same way that you used to. But what he would still do is consider me as a part of team and they would still take me out there in the matches. But of course, because I was not able to perform the same way, I would eventually see myself sitting on the side bench. So it's the same person one year ago, people would cheer for me like they would chant chopra chopra you know how it is in school right and suddenly i'm out of the limelight and i'm sitting side on the side bench and i'm looking and observing and waiting for a chance to go back in but he was very kind the teacher was very polite he never asked me to leave the team they still took me with them and but these are things that were that started to impact me already so even in uh, horse riding i tried to get back to it i in fact i rather even won another championship, right after my surgery, okay? Because I gave in my best, but my knee was, it was gone. The muscle was not there and it needed time. Of course, I couldn't perform the same way. So sports was no more a choice in the same way professionally, right? And academically, I was never strong from the childhood. So it was a conflict of what I can do in school, I suddenly, one year is a long gap. So all the friends that I had initially, they move on. They're at the age of 13, you know, you change your friends in two months, your best friend changes in two months. So one year is a very long time. And when I went back to school, I, from being a very social person, I suddenly saw myself becoming introvert. Um, This is something that nobody else observed. It's uh, not somebody else's responsibility, obviously. My parents did the best that they could. Uh, my teachers tried to do the best that they could but yeah this impacted me mentally very strongly and this is the reason why I actually started using the substance uh, without even thinking of it as a big deal and because I have a very addictive personality one thing led to another and I started getting into it quite deeply.
0: So Tushar now I would like to know your journey of getting out of it Uh, you mentioned I remember you mentioned just a while back, that when you started working, that's when you stopped it. But did it just happen overnight? Or did it not uh come back to you? Did it not sort of you know call you back? Because you know, when you have such addictions, they call you back. So did that happen or that did not happen, or you somehow fought all of it and just drew a line and said, No, no means no. So, how did that happen, that transition?
1: Yes, that is the main thing. It's very easy to start something, but it's uh, actually super difficult. I would not say impossible. I wouldn't even say super difficult, but you have to have a certain mindset. It was all about the mindset. Personally, me, I was always very guilty of what I'm doing, because initially everything was for fun. But as soon as from just using marijuana, you get onto something hard, any hard substance use, uh, things change and things changed quite drastically. Like, my weight was 51 kilos, the same height. Now I'm 70 kgs. So I was the same height. My weight was 70, uh, 51 kilos um, at age 17, for example. I have pictures from back then. You don't even want to see it. I was so skinny. So yes, of course, uh, I was super guilty because I saw my mom crying. Of course, everybody knew what's happening. And it was a case of like a gone kid, you know? Um, I wanted to always stop using it, uh, to get out of it, but I just couldn't understand, like I needed a direction, I needed an escape, a place where I can actually divert my attention to something that was serious enough. And when I had this opportunity of going out, like going abroad, uh, this was my chance and nobody believed in me back then, including my parents, they were scared for me. They thought that, you know, like, are you sure? Are you going to make it? Uh, even though they put all their trust in me, but of course they were afraid for somebody who doesn't know the basics of even getting a license made, for example, at that age is going abroad. And yeah, so that was my time. And I decided, okay, it's time to quit. It's time to show and prove everyone wrong. like of course I can do it Um, and I was super lucky to have one of the most uh, crazy managers I would say online I had the craziest manager she was from India as well so she gave me a lot of learning and a lot of work to do so instead of doing eight-hour shift a day back then it was per hourly wage so it was Something that I had to prove to my parents that, okay, I'm going to make this on money by myself for Oxford Brooks, and this is my chance. So I was doing long shifts, minimum 12 hours a day. I was sometimes doing 90 hours a week. So that was a lot of work and initially this is what really helped me to keep myself occupied and off drugs completely. But I was I started to drink at that time a little bit heavily as well. <laughs> Yes, I had a drinking problem later, so one substance stopped, the another starts and that's what helped me initially, but then I stopped alcohol as well completely because I knew that I have an addictive personality, I have a situation where I would leave something and of course there is so many instances that it calls you back, people that I knew, people around you, like even today's date and age, you go out, this is fashionable, you know. People are rolling joints and if you end up saying, Oh, I don't, I don't do this. Oh, I don't drink. They look at me like with a hysteric face that you don't drink. You, this man with the gut eyebrow and all this styling. You don't drink. You don't do drugs. It's impossible. (laughs) No. So yes, it's so many times that people tried to call me back to it. Um, But I had a mindset. I had to change. Um, It was very difficult. It was uh, not an easy journey. Uh, it was still okay while I was there, but when I came back to India, things changed at the work front as well. So, as every every family has this conflict or something, right? Like the same thing happened with us. So, from being uh, part of a rich family, suddenly we were left with nothing, almost nothing. And uh, my father was uh, super disappointed, heartbroken. All his forty-two years worth of uh, working super hard. And giving all his life to create the brand it was suddenly lost lost uh, within the family but shit happens as you say right and yeah this is the time when uh, it was the most difficult for me because I developed an anxiety disorder clinical anxiety disorder I was suicidal for a couple of years is the time when I was actually sick not depressed but I was sick and I couldn't speak about it because I didn't know what's happening to me exactly. And I did try to speak to a physician who completely you know ignored the situation. He's like, uh, "Don't worry, you cannot breathe this because of so and so or he always had some reasons. Uh, but the tendency of trying to not live anymore was so high that eventually I opened up to my mom and I explained mm-hmm. to her like I really need help. I'm not joking, like this is too serious and My symptoms were getting worse and that's the time when I approached a psychiatrist. I uh, did a lot of uh, therapies, uh, cognitive behavioral therapies. Uh, Initially, I was on the medicines too and that helped me. I didn't really have too much time to, or the money as well to waste on uh, rehabilitation or at other places. So, the only thing that was in my mind was to re-establish our brand because i still had the brand even though we lost our shop the original uh, kakeda hotel which was uh, in cannot place so yeah we still had the brand and the legacy and this is what i needed to carry forward so i started to open more restaurants Uh, at the same time i had to socialize meet so many people with my hands shivering with a lot of sweat in my hands with social anxiety disorder which was uh, very severe oh it was a crazy time It was a mental health was a big challenge for me, but also it opened up so many doors for me because I started to become spiritual. I started to open doors that I had never opened before. So all I did was I would work and I would be on the other side, trying to work on mental health and spiritual growth. Uh, Me being a very sceptical person, I like to only believe into something when there is science involved in it. So, I'm so glad. Like today's date, again, like I wish all of this had happened like 10 years later. Because now there is things like Gaia, you know, and there is so much information on this. Back then, if you would Google something, only bad things would open up. Only worse situations would open up. If you ask for help, there would be more stories of uh, difficult times not stories of what people actually did that helped them. Um, I was looking for a magical solution, but I couldn't. So it was a long journey, Shruti, and I went through a lot of different uh, therapies, a lot of different practices, uh, a lot of different, many, many, many things uh, to change my mindset. It was all about what's here. But at the same time, I was working super hard because this is what I needed to do. There was a brand which had a lot uh, in terms of to offer to customers. We had all the knowledge. My father had all the experience that I needed to take this brand forward. I had the right education, the right uh, kind of approach towards how to reorganize and uh, structurize a business, how to basically grow it properly. And then there were, of course, a lot of failures, experiments. I started to open more branches. Uh, Some were successful, some were not. But this is exactly what helped me to understand how a business really needs to be run properly, how to really make profit, you know, like considering every uh, unit separately. So eventually I was at a stage where I was running three restaurants, uh, very successful restaurants. We were at uh, three units, but that was the time I realized that it's impossible because there is so much that goes into uh, maintaining the restaurant that I had to empower other people uh, to take place and, you know, uh, to basically kind of replace what I'm doing. To do that, you have to empower people. But every business has a certain structure which allows you either to keep... Uh, your salary cost of x amount right so in order to do that it meant I need somebody to replace me who would be equivalent in terms of education in terms of what basically I'm doing which of course meant a higher salary right so sometimes uh, businesses don't allow you your business model may or may not allow you to do that and but I took those steps I eventually understood uh, costings better and that was the game-changer because out of experience, uh, out of so many different things, like small little details, small little details, I'll give you some examples which really affected me. So once I had this chef who asked me, he said, Sir, you are the owner of three restaurants. I said, yes. He said, all the time you are after our case about food costing. At that time, Shruti, believe me, this is back in 2011. Zomato had just started in 2010. So around 2011, I was on the case of the chefs that why my food cost so high, it would reach a up to 54% sometimes. So my chefs were like, this one particular chef, his name was Pandeji. He's no more. His name was Pandeji, and he was like, I want to ask you something. If you don't mind, I want to talk to you, not as a owner, but as my own son. Can I say something? I said, yes, he said. ऐसा कौन कैन स्पीक इन हिंदी आल्सो शुड इट इज ओके राइट ओके सो ही सेड ऐसा कौन सा मालिक है आप बताएं जिसको जो कभी मंडी ना गया हो सो ही आस्क्ड मी आप कभी सब्जी मंडी गए हो आई सेड नहीं कहता आपको धड़ी का मतलब पता है मैंने बोला नहीं पता कट्टे का मतलब पता नहीं पता आप कभी मुर्गा मंडी गए हो नहीं गया आप कभी किसी होलसेलर तो मैं किस बेसिस पे अपने को चैलेंज कर रहा था इन चीजों को लेकर आप and that impacted me a lot, you know, like this these wordings of what he said. So his lifespan of work, lifespan of 60 years, he delivered me his experience in two minutes of me just listening to him with an open head, with no ego in, involved, right? And what he said, it impacted me so much. I started to go to uh, Azadpur Mandi Vegetable Market. I procure all my supplies by myself I started to go to Gajipur Mandi the Murga Mandi in Gajipur I had to procure all non-wish I would go there I would go to 3-4 hours I would go to the mandi my father was uh, in stock he was scared that Murga Mandi is going and in the starting time I realized that I wouldn't go I would go to the Murga Mandi looking a little shady and shabby myself you know with big daddy and uh, not looking <laughs> appropriately dressed you have to, you have to consider where you are going so you have to dress accordingly otherwise you don't get the right rates. so yes there was a lot of learning experience that came in through my staff they explained me there uh, were a lot of things that I understood myself but that's the foundation was strong so the cost was down there when I was 54, I think we reached 38-40 we had only 12% of the uh, middle men we had less than 12% but then, how do sustain I 16-18 manage but I started to burn out. Anyways, issue anxiety was I was happy. I was a diversion, so I But I started to burn out. And I would not advise anybody that not personal life and so slowly and slowly we and then I had my lucky break which was in when I was 27 years old that's the time when somebody approached me and he said I want to look with so the first franchisee how I gave was not even a franchise I just gave my running restaurant to somebody and I said you have to take advantage of it and give me an extra amount after that I knew my figures and he was in doubt. He was like, why would you do this? Why would you leave your profit? So I understood the value of time, that my time is a value, my time is a value. And how do I better consume that So this is how it basically started. I started to empower other people to come join me, join your hands with me. You have the passion. So I started investing into people. I started looking for people who are interested to join hands i didn't look for franchise partners i looked for people to invest with me work with me right so i wanted more and more talent coming in and this is how then eventually the franchisee journey started there were a lot of people who were interested with the franchisee of kakeda hotel but we didn't go ahead with them we had a very strong profiling I, I'm sure you remember as well in that time you were a part of Kake, the hotel, doing the graphics for us and marketing as well. So you were handling quite a lot of things, and uh, you must have seen the way we were taking the brand ahead, the approach that we had to connect the youth and to keep the nostalgic effect also. You know, like, we chose our franchise partners very carefully. And every time people came the joint hands, and the company grew and along while the company started to grow I started to include more and more people uh, who are more better educated than me in terms of uh, operations or in terms of the restaurant operations. So uh, professionals are on board, they are taking care so my requirement slowly and eventually came to a level that I had this mindset that I have to make it uh, make myself dispensable. People make themselves indispensable in a business. I wanted to make myself dispensable in the sense that whether Toshar exists or not, you know, because look, Amolok Ram Chopra started the brand, my grandfather, he doesn't exist. The brand still exists. So even if tomorrow Toshar does or does not exist, the brand still needs to exist, right? Now it's about a brand, it's about a restaurant, it's about a brand, so we have made our SOPs in this way, structure is this way, hierarchies in the restaurant and company that without Ushara also it can run and it can run quite successfully and it is running very successfully and this is the time when I had uh, a shift, a shift and the time to focus on myself. So next question, story what did I do next?
0: So uh, thank you for sharing all of that with us, starting from the very beginning and how you sort of you know took it ahead. So my next question uh, from you is uh, you mentioned you were so engrossed in work that's where you were. So here my question from you is, how did you finally strike the balance between your work and your life? I will come to the passion part a little later because that is also something that I definitely want to throw some light on. But that would be my next question. So for now, I want you to address this one, that how did you finally make sure that work or life is going to be Yes,
1: Shruti, so as I mentioned, I have an addictive personality, right? Now, this was not an issue about work and life balance. It was more about this addictive personality issue. And believe me, 90% of the people in today's date, who आदमी अगर राशन की दुकान भी चला रहा है उसको भी एक एडिक्शन है and वो क्या है एडिक्शन सबसे बड़ी the worst addiction in this world is work, being a workaholic. And अ और ये addiction, एडिक्शन तकरीबन to की डेट पे सब लोगों को है उनको पता नहीं है इस चीज के to में वो घर भी जाते हैं सोरे ह me. to me. I did not even realize that I need to change it a bit or do something else. This is some encouragement that came in from the side of my mother. When level, if there is no money, there is no honey. That's the reality. If you have a So, whatever you may do, there is no chance that you can have a good sleep you will always have something to think about Um, so considering the fact that okay you start to have this much of money at least that you can do your life decently now this definition of decent also is very vague huh? like for some people decency is something for me decency just means that even if you are making this much money that you are able to get bread and butter on your table and your family is able to survive by paying all the electricity bills. That means you are making decent money, which also means you should have a decent work life balance. Right. But yeah. I didn't understand that my parents here. So my mother a crucial role She encouraged me and she told me that you must change this. This is not the way it needs to be. And uh, uh, as I told you I had a lot of anxiety issues which was ongoing at, at that time, right? And I wanted to get out of it. I wanted to get rid of it. So there were there was a time because of medicines, no, I became 97 kilos. So from 51 I sh- became to 97. I had a lymph node, and you know, I had to be on so much of medication. But at the same time, I had to keep on working. I became a lala in 97 kgs with a big belly and I was like, no, 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 this needs to change. And that's the time when I took up sports again properly. And uh, from day one itself, like that changed the entire anatomy of my body, my way of thinking as soon as the sports came in. Because I had almost everything in my life. The only thing that was missing was sports. no. So like I have a uh, theory of happiness of life. No, like there are five elements for me first one being uh, physical so that only was missing there was no physical activity so of course the happy hormones how is the body going to release the happy hormones right so these five principles No, i'll tell you later but first i'll finish with this so then i started to work out a little bit and i started enjoying it and i was like okay every day i will go for my five kilometer run then i started preparing for a marathon i started to lose weight i started to look better i started to feel healthier Uh, Finally started to date, (laughs) date somebody for after so long, it felt so good. And uh, yes, and once I realized this, that no, this is also equally important. And my anxiety gradually started to decrease. It didn't go away at that time, but it started to decrease. And I realized that this is super important and I must go. There was never a time when my phone would be switched off. And now was the time that after 10 PM, I would switch off my phone. Though in the morning. I would like wake up and see that I would be on the phone in today's day. I switch off my phone in the night. I wake up in the morning. I don't check my phone. I don't do anything for at least two hours to give the mind, the set in the setting, to look forward for the day. This is, this is how yeah. it
0: started. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Tushar, so, yahan pe I want to talk to you about because you know since I've known you have actually seen you working but actively getting involved in things that you are passionate about. So I have seen that creative side in you and how you have sort of you know you keep nourishing it and that is something that I absolutely appreciate that you know sometimes people they forget doing that. So um, there are a few passions that I do know about when it comes to you. Um, so why don't you open this and maybe, you know, tell our audience a bit about uh, what are the things that you are sort of, you know, doing and how do you finally, finally, now we can, you know, complete the equation. Uh, the name of this, even the, the, the name of the episode is also work, passion, life balance. It was never about just, you know, work and life. The passion is also a huge part of this episode. So first of all, let us know about your passions and then come to the part where you explain balancing all three of these.
1: Okay, so uh, let's talk about the passion. All this time since 13 till the age of 21. That was anyways gone. Then from I would say rather 19 till the age of 27 that was also almost gone because i was only working after that when i realized okay this is the time now i have the time i need to do something else because the money started to come in i had the right team had the right people working with me it was the right time to dedicate on something right i didn't want to go back to any of the substances so i was not even drinking I wasn't doing any kind of drugs. So what do you do? I'm a, I was still a person who needed to go out and I really wanted to move around and do certain things. So the first thing I started to do was started to play the piano again. When I was a kid, I was a self-taught pianist. My sister used to be going to Delhi school of music. She's a good pianist. And I used to watch her and I, I used to just, you know, start playing. And this was one of my crazy passions, obsession with the instruments. So I started to play the piano again. It brought me a lot of peace inside, deep inside and started getting better and better at it. Um, slowly, eventually, you know, once I went to this very popular place called Summer House Cafe. And I am like, okay, I need to go out, move out. Firstly, I was still a bachelor, right? And no, no place allowed you like stag entry. In Oscar's village was very popular at that time. No Nobody allow, allowed you stag entry. I, I never didn't even want to drink. I wasn't even going just for the girls. I just wanted to move around, go out and sit at some place. And I used to love drinking Red Bull at that time. So I went once to Summerhouse cafe. And I heard the music is totally different. And this, this was salsa, bachata, kizomba, all this kind of stuff with this partner dancing going on. I sat there. I enjoyed it so much. I liked the music so much and I was like, okay, this event looks cool. And this is the only time Summer House allowed people to go by themselves. Guys, like stag entry, right? Because when there is salsa night, you can go. You can walk in. Other times, they always want to see you're going in with somebody because they don't want the creeps. Huh? Even though I'm not sure if I look like a creep or not. <laughs> yeah. So, I really loved it. I loved it what people were doing there, I saw something that was resonating with my soul, like people dancing, not caring. I still had anxiety, right? So I was like, damn man, like this looks amazing. So I started asking questions. I got to know it happens every Sunday. I used to go there every Sunday, take my Red Bull and sit there outside only. I didn't even go inside from outside from the window. I used to watch all these people. So now these people who were dancing, they used to see this face coming, sitting, drinking his Red Bull. They were watching those people, they didn't watch them. Now why did they watch them? They were dancing schools, they had to promote them, right? So they just to me like this, and they, 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 they came to me like this. I've seen you here so many times, why don't you dance? And I was like, no, 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 I cannot dance, how, how, how to dance? Like, I have two left feet, I don't know how to dance. No, there's nothing like that, there are schools schools and if you will You will dancing. not nobody can dance and stuff like this. So I tried. I gave it a shot and I failed miserably, okay? Like I did a couple of lessons uh, in uh, roughly around in Gautam Nagar. There was a studio. I did a few lessons then. Okay, this is not my cup of tea. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it so much. Uh, but I still like the music. It stuck with me. So salsa and bachata, I didn't like so much, but this music called Kizomba. It's uh, African African uh, flavor. Uh, it called Kizomba. I fell in love with this music. It was music for my soul. So I would listen to it all the time when I'm in the car. Uh, I would sometimes even watch videos of people dancing Kizomba and stuff like this. And then I finally started looking at YouTube, some people dancing. I was fortunate I met this guy called Navi Gaur. he has a school in uh, New Delhi, a uh, successful school, Casa Kizomba now, before it was named something else, but yeah, he gave me the foundation and there was another guy called Nelson Campus from Portugal, uh, he was one of my first teachers. So when I did classes with these people, you know, they explained me that no, 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 you have something in you that even you don't realize. It's uh, Either people are made for this dance form called Kizomba or they are not made for it. And because I had that musicality, I, as I told you, I used to listen to this music. I love that music. It was for my soul. It was some kind of a healing, meditative healing. So these people, they just changed something about it. That was how to dance with confidence, because what was missing is confidence. And that was coming out of what? From my anxiety, from my anxiousness of uh, being overconscious about everything. So because it was stemming out of there and because these teachers could identify where it's standing out of without me telling them, in today's date, nobody knows. This story I'm opening up today, even till date, a lot of people don't know I had this issue. You know, but they explained to me, okay, dance with confidence. Don't even look at anyone else because you're doing it for yourself. Like the way you're counting the music in your head because you have the musicality. And it just changed the dynamics for me and one thing led to another sruti then i had next passion if you allow me i keep continuing and i'll keep telling you how it happened okay so what happened next was that i was still a workaholic even though i was doing all these things small little things i was going to for this dancing thing and looking at this my mother and my sister they forced me to take a holiday which i never took The reason I was not going for holiday was because I was very anxious to move out of my comfort zone. What was my comfort zone was going to work, having my coffee and on one or two days going for these dancing nights, coming back, playing the piano. It was just like a circle. So this was my comfort zone, which I had already, according to me, had already opened up that I was thinking out of the box by doing all these things. I didn't know there is more to life. at least till then, I didn't know that there would be something more coming up in my life. And they convinced me to go for a holiday. And this holiday was to Poket in, Tha- in Thailand. We went for three days. Uh, the first two days, uh, I was still complaining. I didn't even want to go. I was literally on the verge of crying that I don't want to go. I don't want to go. My work is going to suffer, even though that was not the truth. The work could have been handled and it was being handled very well. But I was super Lucky that I went there because on the third evening, while I was in Phuket, I was in Patong, which is a very popular place, especially Bangla Road, also known as Walking Street. And I was disgusted, to be honest, with this sex tourism. It was horrible uh, for me to watch. First two days I enjoyed, not by indulging into something, but just this enjoyment was there. On the third day, I had compassion for these girls. Uh, I'm a very empathetic person, I think, in that sense, like I I could gauge on this uh, negative energy and all these old men. Anyway, so I decided not to go to this street and walk around and see more things. So I ended up going to this place. It said uh, Muay Thai boxing stadium. Tonight, tonight, Muay Thai boxing stadium and a lot of people standing out there. So I just went inside and I sat there. There was uh, Thai style boxing match going on. And I sat there, I thought, okay, I'll sit here 30 minutes, go back to the hotel. Anyways, tomorrow is the flight. I went there at uh, maybe 8.30, 9 o'clock, the matches started. I didn't even get to know when it was already midnight. So I watched all the fights. I was so engrossed into it. Not that I'm saying, hey, or this or that, or a shouting or cheering somebody. I was just so engrossed. It was a meditation for me. Watching them fight was a meditation for me because I was gauging their footwork. I was gauging how they are using their reflexes i did not even know that boxing could be i never watched boxing all my childhood i tv or wwe i was fascinated by it but it was boxing tha, kabhi bhi kuch. Ki lagta da, and suddenly i'm here looking at them and i'm like i see myself doing this i saw myself literally doing this so even though we came back to india the next day i went online and i checked for muat high schools and i went back again to thailand this time with my sister after one month and the reason i went back was uh, to chill of course because i loved it so much and to go and check out this place this place was called tiger moathai in a place called Shalong. so the first time i reached there i was surprised it's in the middle of jungle and then these people they told me you look very unfit right now even though i was very fit because i told you I, i was already doing my running and stuff like this, I had lost weight and then they explained to me, no, 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 you're not fit enough in the sense of fighting because I told them, oh, I want to fight in the stadium. This is the first thing I went and I said to them, but they didn't laugh. You see, people there, they take you seriously, they're like, you want to fight, but you're not fit enough right now. You'll have to train for it. And then they explained to me the course and the course structure. I stayed there for two months I came back then I went again I stayed there for two months did my training came back to India for two months went back for two months came back to India like this I did maybe six or seven times right like so the whole year one or two years passed by 28 29 30 30 BSA so maybe maybe two two years uh, one and a half or two years passed by just doing this back and forth training coming back working organizing my work going back again for two months so Now, this time I was preparing for a fight and I was ready. According to my trainer, I was ready. So I had my fight in January of 2020, late January, 2020. That was my first fight. This is the reason why I had gone back to Thailand for my fight. I was supposed to stay there for one week, even though I took a visa for one month and return flight, but I thought I'll stay there for one week work should not suffer we had an intention of opening 100 units because of that i had hired a very senior manager from different companies you know and i had uh, trained them for over a year so that we're on the same dynamics of work had a plan of opening hundred units so that's why i hired very good team trained them for over a year while i was going back and forth with my muathai and i was ready for my fight so now this time when i was there for my fight i did my fight uh, i didn't win it the, it wasn't fair there was a uh, cheating i didn't even know that cheating existed at a high level uh, fight like this and of course uh, i was very disappointed disheartened uh, and i wanted to prove myself that no this was not fair i have it on video i want to prove it but you know once you're in the ring you're in the ring it doesn't matter the outcome is not going to change. You're in the ring, you win or you lose. The outcome is not going to change. The only way to do that was that you go in the ring and you break that person down. And I was like, I want a rematch with this person. So I extended my stay a little bit. And that's the time when COVID struck and the flights got shut down. And this was my lucky time. I would say I was so fortunate because COVID happened. I was there almost two and a half years, even though I had a chance of coming back through one day Bharat, which I tried uh, initially. First six months, I couldn't get through them properly. The Indian embassy in Thailand wasn't really uh, helpful for me, at least. Uh, yeah, I had a lot of problems in that sense. And then the business started to suffer. All the restaurants were shut down again. And suddenly, all this, you know, this fairy land that I was living in, that I created by myself. I cultivated a garden, beautiful garden. And I saw it getting exhausted because nobody was watering it anymore because of COVID. Right. So there was nothing I could do absolutely about it. The only thing I could do was focus on myself. And this is the time when all my anxieties, all my problems, everything finished completely. Why? Because I started to fight regularly not fight on the streets. I uh, started participating in more fights. I started to practice thai, not to fight only, but as a way of self-discipline. It really changed the way I look at things to knowing that you have this power inside you. Uh, that enough itself is a very big thing with thai. And at the same time, I was dancing. Because there was COVID, there was nothing else to do. So I started taking lessons from teachers who were in uh, Holland, Netherlands, France, uh, and they agreed to finally give something online because even they were out of job, they were out of business. These are the same teachers who would never give time. Even now, if I ask them for time again, they would never give me online lessons. They would say, okay, you either come to Holland or you come to Paris and we'll start training you. They don't have that much time, but I, I was lucky enough. They gave me the time. I started to dance. And my dancing started becoming really good, Uh, so I started competing in dancing as well and I was given an opportunity to be an artist and start training other people in workshops in big events in Bangkok, in uh, Koh Samui. So these are uh, good events, like world-class events in Asia. So I was there as a teacher, teaching Kizomba. So my Kizomba started getting better, my fighting style is getting better. And usually I stop telling people that I am a fighter for my dancing friends. So they still don't know. A lot of them still don't know. They think my profession is dancing. And some of them, when I open up to them, they are in shock that, oh, so you're a fighter also. And then I tell them, okay, I also have restaurants. They say, what do you mean restaurants? I say, okay, I have 30 restaurants. And then they look at me like, what? What are you saying? Like they don't kind of want to believe it because... End of the day, it kind of looks like a Bollywood story, you know, like you from here to here to here to here. I give all my credit to one fact that I wanted to move. I wanted to go out. I didn't want to be depressed. I didn't want to get back to alcohol or any kind of drugs, but I wanted to still go out in the night and enjoy my life. And these are things that really greatly impacted my life. When I used these things as a tool to do my passion, it was so amazing and yes, so some of the fighters would laugh when they would get to know I'm a dancer. We be like, haha, that's a gay thing to do. And the people at dancing would be like, ah, you're a fighter, it's, uh, it's so scary. It's... So I think I have a yin and yang that I had to balance. Like everybody is different. It's not necessary that everybody needs to go and do the same thing to get happiness. But I personally, as my personality, by knowing my own self, I was self-aware what I needed, the emotions I need to go through, the adrenaline that I need. I recently started skydiving. I am doing a course now that's going to be my future sport because I will not be able to fight, you know, forever. Uh, Getting older is going to be, I have to still have some kind of adrenaline that needs to go into my bloodstream. So I'm going to do skydiving. Uh, More things, I took up videography during uh, COVID times. So there was a lot of uh, things that I started to learn, different things. I took up a language, I'm learning Russian, how to speak Russian now. So different things, different courses, just to engage yourself. And you never know which door opens from where, from a point where I didn't want to go to Phuket for a holiday. Suddenly from there, it changed my life altogether that I'm like, okay, money is not the only thing. Material is not the only thing, you know, it's not about Mercedes or uh, Lamborghini eventually, no. It's about being happy and to be able to live happily uh, by also making a difference in other people's life. So, five things, if you allow me, I share now with you. Okay, so the first is physical. I follow this five things every day and this is the key of happiness for me. So, if in physical comes in, how is the condition of your health, physical health? One needs to work on this every day, either some kind of activity, even basic activity, running, walking, or some kind of extreme sports. Second is mental. When I say mental, it doesn't mean uh, only work, work everybody is doing. Sometimes you do it on autopilot. You're like hypnotized for it. When I say mental, it means creating strategies about something different, thinking out of the box, thinking about a new business, for example, where you actually apply your mental level by thinking out of the box or you can play games like chess solitaire that engages you puzzle stuff like this where the mental muscle actually starts to work i do this every day third is social social means you must hang out with different people not stay in your comfort zone and i think this applies not just for my personality type but for everybody that you have to be social You need to make a new conversation. You don't have to be crazy that you just go and start talking to a random stranger who's sitting in a park, taking his break, (laughs) but try to make conversations. Try to approach different set of people, new people without any intentions, just a conversation. So trying to be social uh, in different ways. People can start with things like group yoga classes, for example, or something in group activity. Because being social is a very important part. I was self-isolated in a way, even though I was around people, but I was isolated because I was inside myself. I was super conscious about even talking with people. I would communicate. It was only about work. I was not communicating about anything else. I was in my comfort zone communication. If you get out of that comfort zone communication, then I would call it socializing. So one must socialize. So physical, mental, social, then comes the inner child. Everyone has an inner child. When I say inner child, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to get all crazy and be happy that oh I have an inner child. No, we have to work on our inner child in the sense that we all have some traumas, everyone, everyone has a story to tell. Everybody is, somebody was very privileged like myself to be born in this kind of family. Somebody was not. I have my own traumas, which might look very small or very big to some people or very small for some people right but everybody has their own traumas from childhood so one needs to kind of go back in time i would not call it exactly hypnosis but the process is kind of similar where you do a self hypnosis you go back in time you remind yourself of something that impacted you or traumatized you deeply and then you explain that child within you as an adult now today that this shruti 25 years old I'll give you that. (laughs) Going back to the young seven year old Shruti and just giving it comfort, giving it the love, and explaining why so and so happened. If the parents did something, now we can look at why some people say their parents got separated, blah, blah, blah. And now you can actually, as an adult, you can look at them and why the reason why they separated or why they were fighting, you know, and you can go to that child and explain that. And it really makes a difference. So this is called the inner child practice. And then you have to nourish the inner child. A lot of things uh, through this process gets resolved. So another trauma also, which happened because of this event later in your life, which is leading to more events and to your current present, and which is also dictating your future might be resolved by just talking to your inner child almost every day. And there is so much to resolve Shruti, even today. After practicing this lifestyle for over five, six years, also, I still work on my inner child. There is something that would come up. So, fourth being the inner child, and the last one being spiritual. Now, spiritual is very big. It can be for some people, for some people, it is religious. So, for some people, it is being charitable. It's different meaning for different people. For me, when I talk about spirituality, it is adding value to another soul that's what being spiritual means adding value to another soul it can be a soul of an animal of a plant of a human being making a difference in a positive way impacting their life for the better not just only by giving money but people have different uh, ways by which they can do this they can uh, be charitable of course money helps with the NGO they can do all these things they can sponsor a girl's child education or anybody's any education, or they can volunteer. For me, it really makes a difference when I volunteer physically. And I did a lot with, uh, especially for dogs, uh, during COVID time for horse- horses in Phuket, you know, I would do different kinds of charities. People can go to old age home and do volunteer work service. So when you do f- do it physically, it's for me, it works a little bit differently, even though I would do monetarily as well. But physically, somehow it creates a grounding, creates an impact. So yes, if you follow these five principles, this is, according to me, the key of happiness. The core of happiness for the life are these five elements. A lot of times when I give myself a reality check, especially on full moon and Amavasya. Amavasya, right? When there is no moon. So these are the two. days I follow the moon calendar somewhat. I don't believe too much in astrology or these or that things. I do believe in it. But not crazily, but I like how the moon works for me. So I give myself a reality check every time on full moon and on no moon that I check myself again that where am I standing on all these five elements for uh, people just as a suggestion for all the audiences, they can follow these five things, they can start doing it every day. Okay from small, 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 and they need to write it down, you know, in physical, they can write down what all they can do in mental, like, like this, they write down in everything what all they can actually do in all these uh, places. And once they start doing it, they might realize, okay, actually, I don't need physical because I'm already an athlete. So maybe this person is already doing that, but the rest four elements, then they can start scoring it. Okay. Spiritually, I'm zero. mentally and getty they mark them their own selves as a reality check they can do it on daily basis so once they start doing it on daily basis it's not necessary you have to be physically active every day if someone is going to a gym or athlete he needs do two days break in the beach he doesn't have physical activities that he wants to do every day so this is just a structure which i follow and i have a lot of help from this and i have a lot of studies now uh, quantum physics, Gaia has a lot, a lot to offer mind valley meditations. It's amazing, uh, how these people have come up with so many things. So Jitni are binaural beats, uh, frequencies, brain wave, science, spirituality, and each to its own. There are different people with different perspectives. Someone suit को को All of the things that I've spoken to you about is out of my own experience. Uh, from going through all the miseries and everything, this is my formulation of the key to happiness.
0: Thank you once again for first of all, being a part of the show. And secondly, sharing so much with me as well as the audience. And I'm pretty sure uh, all the things that you have given today, you know, um, it's, I am pretty sure it is going to help a lot of people. And this last Wala Jobi you have given, you know, the key, key of happiness I think that's absolutely beautiful. And this is something that everybody can actually work on. Ki measure yourself on all of these five fronts. Ki where do you stand? Where do you need to sort of you know work on which one of these to create that balance in your life? So ki why not check on all of these and create a beautiful balance in, within yourself? You mentioned that yin and yang actually got me thinking um, I think people need to explore that part of themselves. Like, you know, you are exploring the masculine and the feminine energy within you, masculine through the fights and feminine through your dancing. So I think each one of us needs to sort of think on those lines and needs to find something that they can practice every day to nourish that energy within themselves. So I would again say thank you so much for, first of all, giving me so much. And I'm pretty sure it's not just me, it's (laughs) the audience out there. So you've done a beautiful job, Dushar. And I have known you for quite a few years now. And I have seen you as the person who you are. And I think that's the reason why I connected with you. Because, you know, I have seen you as a very honest person. You've never tried to be something else. Never. I've never seen that energy in you. And you have a very positive and very giving energy. So I'm very glad to be associated with you. I'm very glad that, you know, you are a part of my life. I would like to say that, although we might, maybe, you know, we might just again disappear from each other's life for next few years, but it's okay. Because I know whenever we connect, we connect just the way we always do. So, yes.
1: Yes, Shruti, thank you so much for having me here. In fact, I've been writing a book. It's been, it's called The Half Face. There's a lot of things that I'm going to cover in depth. Uh, about these five elements. Uh, I gave it out to your audience already uh, for self-help. And there are courses that I'm trying to develop. It's uh, for charitable cause in the sense that I'm not going to be charging for it at all. And I'm just going to create. And once it's done, uh, Shruti outlook Podcast is going to launch it for me.
0: Absolutely, Tushar. So whenever your workshop, your books, whenever they are coming out, I am bringing you back. To this and we, we are doing another episode, and you know, we are going to do a depth in depth conversation. Yeah,
1: yes, okay, thank
0: you. No, I'm sorry, uh, I did not uh, hear that last part. Could you please say it again?
1: No, I was just saying, if at all anything helps your audience, you can always share the social media, media handles of uh, different pages that you can see so they understand that right. whatever I spoke was the truth. Uh, they can see yeah. the fighting page, they can see the dancing page, they can see my other video making pages. So they would know exactly the life I'm actually doing. If they are interested to follow, they are most welcome to see all of these things, Shruti.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'll be tagging Tushar. Uh, Obviously, I'm going to repurpose this episode because, you know, each each, uh, snippet is going to have so much value. So I'll be sort of, you know, tagging his right handles also. So you can just click on that, check and see who Shah is in each of his elements. So once again, thank you, Shah. Thank you for taking out this time and recording this session. And I am going to bring you back once you launch your book or maybe you can just launch it here, whichever way. We would be glad to have you.
1: Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Have a good day.
0: All right. So... Guys, I think this has been a great episode. And it was so good talking to him. It was so good, you know, sort of reconnecting with him. And he has always been that kind of a person who ends up teaching you a lot. And I really hope that, you know, you are also going to take away a lot from this episode. And I am definitely going to uh, bring him back. I'll be after his life. I, you know, I'll keep a uh, check on him. Where is he? And you know, what is he doing? So, yes, um, I will be back with another episode, with another guest, with another story, with another way of life. And till then, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for being a part of this. And we'll see you again. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and share it with your loved ones. And if you're ready to share your own voice with the world through podcasting, remember, I'm just an email away at shrutioutloud at gmail.com. It's S H R U T I O U T L O U D at gmail.com. Until next time, keep shining, keep growing, and keep embracing the beautiful journey of life. This is Shruti, signing off.